Welcome to the podcast, Life to the Fool, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. Where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, ladies. Uh, we're continuing today to talk about the words that we call our children. Now, I was challenging you last week about calling your children kids, which belongs to goat mothering. Well, we've had a week um, since last session. I wonder if any of you have kicked the habit. I wonder. I wish I could see you all and uh, see your hands being raised. Well... If you didn't manage to do it, just keep trying. But now in this session, I want to get on to the positive. Well, what should we call our children? I mean, if you can't call them kids, what on earth do you call them? Well, of course, we can call them children, which is what God calls them. And uh, the word children is actually a wonderful name, especially in the Bible. And it comes from the word banar, which means to build. And the word children, well, actually, I should say that in the uh, Hebrew, God has given so many different words for children. I mean, I have listed here, yes, 48 different Hebrew words for the word children. God so loves children, but he doesn't just have one word. Now, the most common word is Ben. Uh, you become familiar with that um, when you hear Jewish names like Ben-Gurion, who was the first prime minister of Israel. Ben-Yehuda, he was the, the man whom God put his hand upon to restore the Hebrew language so that when uh, the Israelites, the Jews, began to come back from the four corners of the world speaking all their different languages, there would be a language for them all to speak. Because for 2,000 years, uh, the Hebrew language had been forgotten, except, uh, you know, biblically, but there was not a spoken language. They could not just speak everyday language. And uh, so this man uh, gave actually his life to uh, put this together. You can, you can look up the internet and uh, look out for books about Ben Yehuda. They are worth reading. Uh, the one, I've read a couple of them. I think the one I love the best was called The Tongue of the Prophets. And it's the story of how Ben Yehuda uh, restored and, and created this Hebrew language that's spoken today in Israel. And uh, wow, it, it's just such an amazing story. But the word Ben it means son of so-and-so, but in the Hebrew, it means the builder of the family name. So when you call your children, not just kids, which is not a good thing to speak that into your children, because goats and kids, uh, they have a very different nature to the sheep. They're not 
submissive, they're not meek, they are proud, they are dominant, they've always got to be top dog. I mean, we had a pet goat as we were growing up. It was my brother's uh, little goat, and he had this goat for years, and he called her Jilly, and uh, he was his, she was his very special friend. <clears throat> but, oh goodness me, we were always in trouble with the neighbors because she would go and eat their flowers and eat their trees and eat the clothes off their clotheslines, and <clears throat> and uh, we did have a back paddock um, at our home, and she was supposed to stay in that, but she would always be getting out. But she would always find the highest thing to stand on because goats have to be dominant. They have to be in the highest place. And uh, we're sheep uh, opposite to that. And uh, so we don't want to be calling our children kids and we don't want to belong to the goat mothering uh, company. So why not call them children? And you can tell your children what that word means, children. Do you know that you are helping to build this family? That's what the word children means. The builder of the family name. You're helping to build this family name. And we want to have a name that's true and righteous. And as they know that, they're not going to grow up wanting to do anything to destroy or bring dishonor to the family name. And so it's important for them to know what the word children means. And of course, you'll call them what you chose to call them, and uh, you most probably have nicknames for your children, and you'll have all your most endearing names. Everybody has their different names. They call them their darlings, and precious, and my treasure, and sweetie pie, and honey pops, and wow, I'd love to hear all the different names that you love to call your lovely special children. And uh, they're all wonderful names. But I did find 20 uh, names that God calls our children and how he describes our children. So I'm going to give you these words uh, because I think it's great to know them. You're not going to call your children these words all the time, but you can from time to time so they know who God sees them to be. So I've got them, I think, mostly in alphabetical order. And forgive me, I have 20 points. I am always finding so many points. Um, I'm sorry. I'm never, okay, we're having our session today and there will be points one, two, and three. I, I can never keep to one, two, three because the word of God is so full there is always so much. And as I begin to look up and to study, I find more and more and more. It, it's the more and more. The Bible is more and more. That's why I love that scripture in Proverbs um, Proverbs 4, um, where it says, The path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. 
the word of God is more and more. As you, you can read it on the surface, yes, and you will be blessed. But if you will take time to meditate, if you will take time to study and search, you will find more and more. Our Christian life is more and more. If you are not gaining more and more every day, if you're not walking more and more in God's ways, something is wrong because the Christian life is not a stagnant life. It does not stay the same. We're never meant to stay the same. We are meant to be growing in the Lord. And so, of course, I shared with you how 40 different positive words for us to be speaking in our homes. Now, I'm going to share with you 20 different descriptions God gives of our children. All right, number one, he calls them arrows. Psalm 127, verse 4, as arrows in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of your youth. Now, you're not going to be calling your six-foot teenager uh, sweetie pie, honey pops. They're not going to like that very much. But you can call them your arrow. Yes, that's a good name. Just remind them that they are arrows in God's army. And God has given them to you to polish and sharpen and prepare so that they will be ready to hit the mark as you send them forth as they get older. And we are arrow polishers and our children are arrows being sharpened and made ready to uh, for that time. We don't send them forth immediately. No, we've got to get them sharpened and honed and ready to go forth, to hit the mark, and, and to do damage to the enemy. Amen. In fact, the Bible has quite a lot of descriptions about arrows. He calls uh, them ready arrows. <clears throat> We've got to make them ready. I'll, I'll give you the, uh, the, the uh, scriptures for each one in my transcript. I know you won't have time to write them down. You're most probably on a walk, doing dishes, doing something. Um, he calls them polished arrows. And that's what we've got to do, isn't it? Polish them up. He calls them piercing arrows. He wants us to get them ready so they can pierce right through the enemy lines. He calls them scattering arrows so that they will grow up and know how to scatter the enemy. He calls them sticking fast arrows. He calls them sharp arrows. Are we sharpening arrows? We don't want to send forth our children into this world blunt. No, we've got to have them ready and sharpened. He calls them bright arrows. He calls them light-giving arrows. He calls them going-abroad arrows. He calls them destroying arrows. He calls them hitting-the-mark arrows. Yes, Jeremiah 50 verse 9, Their arrows shall be as of a mighty expert man. None shall return in vain. 
shooting arrows, on fire arrows, and the last one is delivering arrows. That's an interesting passage. Um, let me take you to it, Second Kings chapter 13, verse 14. And this was at the end of Elisha's life. And it was he was getting ready to go into the eternal realm. Um, he was sick, and uh, but he called uh, for Joash, the king of Israel. And Elisha said to him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And then Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek till thou hast consumed them. And he said, Take the arrows. And he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, Smite upon the ground. And he smote the arrows three times and stopped. And then it goes on to say, And the man of God was angry with him and said, You should have smitten five or six times. Then you would have smitten Syria till you had consumed it, whereas now you will only smite Syria three times. And Elisha died, and they buried him. Wow, that's a rather sad story. The great prophet, he died an angry, sad man because the king did not have the vision for smiting the enemy. And he only smote the arrow three times. God said they would have deliverance from Syria three times. But he could have smote it more. He didn't have the vision. And we've got to give a vision to our children. that They are arrows. When we're getting them ready so that they will be ready to smite the enemy and smite the enemy until they win the victory, not just stopping halfway through. Amen. Yes, so you can call your children arrows, your little ones and your older ones. They won't mind that word. The next one, blessings. In Deuteronomy 33, 24, it says, Let Asher be blessed with children. We know that children are the blessing of the Lord. Deuteronomy 28 verse 4 says, Blessed shall be the fruit of thy womb. And then it goes on to say, And the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, and it goes on. That's a wonderful scripture because it gives us such an amazing principle here. God says, Blessed shall be the fruit of your 
womb. I'm putting my blessing upon the children who come forth from your womb. I will bless them and I will bless you. But then it goes on to say, but I'm also going to bless your cattle and bless your ground and bless your store and it goes on and on all the blessings which you can read in Deuteronomy 28 the blessing chapter but the very first blessing is the fruit of the womb now sadly some mothers will stop receiving and embracing the fruit of the womb because they think Oh, how will I provide for them if we keep having more children? But what they don't understand is the principle of this scripture, that when God blesses you with children, then he blesses everything else in your home. The provision, the provision of your food and the provision of your store and everything you need. Go back and read this, these scriptures in Deuteronomy 28 again and you will see uh, that's where the provision comes. If you don't have the fruit of the womb, why, why is God going to bless you with cattle and increase of sheep and this and that? No, you don't need it. Because his blessing, his provision is for the fruit of the womb, which is the first blessing. So every time he blesses you again with the fruit of the womb, you don't know how it's going to happen. You can't see it, but God will do it. Oh, yes, he always does it. He will provide for this baby. He will provide for this child in miraculous ways. All you have to do is just trust him. He will do it. You obey and trust. Yes, to trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. That's all you have to do. And God will show forth his mighty right hand. So you can call them your blessings. I, was I was raising our children back in the early years of our children back in New Zealand, um, I had a dear friend and I had a Bible study uh, of ladies who would come every week. And um, it was a wonderful time of encouraging one another. Usually there were more babies and children than mothers. And um, But anyway, one of these mothers, she had three little children who were really quite difficult. I do have to admit they were not easy. And she was sort of always tearing her hair out really and in the end she just she was just calling them brats. I mean they were brats and I had to secretly agree with her they were brats. Oh goodness me. But anyway God spoke to her and he said to this mother you are calling your children the wrong names. I call them blessings. I call them rewards. I want you to change your vocab and call them what I call them. And uh, this precious mother, she loved the Lord and wanted to walk in obedience to the Lord. So she began to call her children my blessings. And she would come to Bible study and you know, that's how she'd address her children. It was time to go, come on, blessings. We're going now. Come with mommy. Come, come, blessing. And, and she just 
began to continually call her children blessings. Well, it was amazing. It just shows you the power of words. Because those little brats, actually, little by little, became blessings. They actually changed. Their behavior changed, as she called them. My rewards and my blessings and my treasures. And as she called them, the words that God calls our children, her children changed. And it was so amazing to see. Number three, our children are our crown of rejoicing. First Thessalonians 2, 1920, Paul is writing about the new believers in Thessalonica. And he says of them, for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. And he was confessing that when he stands before the Lord on that great day, when we will all stand before the Lord, that he will be able to present these new believers whom he had poured his life into. And they would be his crown of rejoicing before the Lord. That's who he would present to the Lord. Dear mothers, how much more? our own children that God has given us. He wants us to pour our lives into them, to pour his truth into them, to prepare these children to be ready to meet the Lord one day, to prepare them for the destiny God has for them here, that they will be our crown of rejoicing, when we stand before him on that day. Oh, may that be true of our children. Now the word crown, that's a word that can also be used for grandchildren. Proverbs seventeen six says, Children's children are the crown of old men. So grandfathers can call their grandsons, You are my crown. <clears throat> Grandmothers can do that. If grandmothers are listening today, even any grandfathers, your grandchildren are your crown. Amen. Number four. <clears throat> Our children are enemy silences. Psalm 8 verse 2. From the mouths of children and infants, you have ordained praise on account of your adversaries to silence the enemy and the avenger. What a powerful scripture. God is saying that little babies and children have the power to still the voice of the enemy, and silence his voice. The Passion Translation says, You have built a stronghold by the songs of children. Strength rises up with the chorus of infants. This kind of praise has power to shut Satan's mouth. 
every time you bring a new baby into the world and you begin to just nurture this little one and begin to pour God's word into this little child, you are raising another uh, arrow, another uh, weapon against the enemy. Every child that grows in the ways of the Lord and is being prepared to stand for truth and righteousness is a weapon against the enemy. Yes, little babies can silence the enemy, silence the avenger. Babies have power. In fact, when God wants, uh, there's a great famous quote uh, from Frank Borham. And in it, he says that when God wants to do something mighty, what does he do? He brings a baby into the world. And that baby is prepared for God to use that baby to do the things that God wants done in the world. Oh, never underestimate the power of bringing another baby into the world. I'm thinking also of a scripture over in Psalm, Psalm 107, the last few verses. And let's have a look at it here. Psalm 107, verse 41. Yet setteth he the poor on high from affliction, and maketh him families like a flock. This is what God loves to do. He loves to make families. That's his heart. That's his plan from the very beginning. And how does he make his families? He makes his families like a flock. Now, a flock is more than one or two. You can't really have a flock of sheep. Just one or two is not a flock. You've got to have a few more than that. When you go over to Israel and you can see the Bedouin shepherds sometimes walking out over the sort of desert places and you see them with their little flock. They don't have a huge flock. The shepherds in Israel are far different to our sheep farming in New Zealand where I grew up. The sheep farmers in New Zealand, they have thousands of sheep. And they have to go out on their horses and their dogs to round up the sheep for shearing and dipping and so on. And uh, it is so different. But in Israel, uh, and this is where God just shows us his heart for shepherds and sheep, they just have a small flock, maybe, you know, 10, 12, 15, 20 or so sheep. And usually they have goats with them. And when you're looking from far away, you can't tell the difference between the goats and the sheep because their goats look very much like their sheep. And that's why when we read that scripture in Matthew chapter 25, God says, I'm waiting till the end time to separate the goats from the sheep. They're just going to be together. And, and we do see in the church there's growing up Together, the goats and the sheep, even in the church, there are sheep who are the real, true, genuine believers and disciples of Jesus. And then there are those who are, what you would say, Christians in name only. 
And they are the goats. One day, God is going to separate them. The sheep on the right, the goats on the left. And, uh, but, you know, they do have a little flock, but it's more than one or two. And God wants to make your family a flock. Yes, a flock. And uh, so, just remember that. All right, and let's continue reading on here. The righteous shall see it and rejoice, and all iniquity shall stop her mouth. Get that? Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. What is it saying here? God wants to make families like a flock. Now, the righteous will see that, and they will rejoice. When the righteous see God giving another baby to a family, they rejoice. Isn't it amazing that that doesn't always happen in real life, even in the Church of God today? I receive... Um, you know, calls and, and uh, messages from many women who, when they're having another baby, they, they are quite distraught. What am I going to do? How am I going to tell my mother? How am I going to tell my mother-in-law? They just don't want us to have any more children. And, and, and sometimes they won't even speak to their daughter or daughter-in-law because they're having another baby. That is unbelievable. They, they are totally on a wrong track. They do not understand the Bible or the heart of God. But this word says the righteous will see it and rejoice. And all iniquity will stop its mouth. Because the word says that as babies and children come into the world, that they will still the voice of the enemy and the avenger. And whoso is wise will observe these things. And they understand that this is the loving kindness of the Lord. Amen. Did you get that beautiful message from Psalm 107? Number five, <clears throat> flourishing sons. Yes, you can tell your sons that they are flourishing. You are my flourishing son. Let's go to Psalm 144. David is uh, praying here in this psalm. And in verse 11, he says, Rid me and deliver me from the hand of strange children whose mouth speaketh vanity, and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood. David was praying, we've got to get rid of all this evil and falsehood and lies and deception in our land. And why did he want to do that? Because, for one reason, that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth. Yes, he didn't want them to be contaminated and pulled away by the deceptions around. And 
even in this day in which we are raising children, it is a challenge because we are living in a deceived world and we are seeking to raise children who will be young men and women of truth and righteousness and integrity and who will not be lured in by the deceptions of this world. And so David was praying this prayer, and this is what he longed for, that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth. Let's look at some other translations, the New Living Translation. May our sons flourish in their youth like well-nurtured plants. The Amplified says that our sons will be grown large in their youth. I like the Young's translation. Now, many of you will be familiar with the Strong's Concordance. There is also a Young's Concordance. And this is the Young's that gives this translation of the Bible, which is very accurate to the Hebrew. That our sons are as plants, becoming great in their youth. Don't you love that? We're not raising sons to hope that one day they'll be great mature adults when they are older. No, we are raising sons who will be coming great even in their youth. Uh, a few weeks back, um, I did two podcasts with Alison Hartman about um, raising children to be adults. If you didn't get those, go back and listen to them. They are great uh, because that is our whole purpose as parents. We're, we're not raising children to keep them as children and growing up into silly little giggling teenagers. No, we are growing children to be mature. And our sons, this is the picture God gives of our sons, becoming great in their youth. Yes, the word uh, there is gadal, and it means to make large. That's what the Amplified brings out. Growing large in their youth. Growing large in body, mind, and honor to exceed, to be excellent, to be magnificent. And uh, that is the picture there uh, of our sons. So, dear ladies, this is what God, how God describes them, flourishing sons, becoming great in their youth. Number six, the fruit of the womb. Psalm 127, 3, lo, Children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Yes, our children are the fruit of our womb. Beautiful. Then number seven, uh, the Bible doesn't only say that our children are the fruit of the womb, but beloved fruit of the womb. How do you like that? Hosea 9 verse 16 calls them the beloved fruit of the womb. The context of this passage 
is that God was going to destroy their beloved fruit of the womb because of their continual disobedience. But we see, as God says these words, how he sees their children and how the Israelites themselves saw their children. This is how they looked upon them. I'll give you some other translations. Their cherished offspring. They're precious ones of their womb. They're dearest offspring. They're darlings. They're much-loved little ones. And so you can call your children that. You are the beloved fruit of my womb. Yes, you're my precious offspring. You're my darling. You're the precious one of my womb. These are biblical phrases you can call your children rather than the word kids. All right. Well, I'm ready for the next one, but I think this one will take me too long and I think we're coming to the end. So we're going to have to have another session because we're only up now to number eight. Wow. There's so much more in the word where, of how God describes our children. Yes, so I trust, dear mothers, that you are working on kicking the habit of calling your children kids. You don't want to belong to this goat mothering company. And uh, you're beginning to think of other wonderful words to call your children. Dear Father, I pray that you will pour out your blessing on every family listening today. Lord God, I pray that you will fill their homes with your joy and with laughter. And uh, Lord God, uh, with your unity and uh, just with your beautiful, long-suffering and, and uh, kindness and happiness. And Lord, just make their homes uh, places where you dwell. I ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. In that home.